Father, this morning, Father, I pray, Father, that Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, speak to us, O Lord. We just want to thank you, Lord, for all these days of lockdown that we were able to meditate upon your word, that we were able to study your word, that we were able to spend time in your presence, O Lord. We want to thank you for these opportunities, O Lord, that you've given to us as a church. And I pray, Lord, that even as we continue to study and meditate, Father, that, Lord, our inner man will become stronger, will be renewed, will be transformed even more, O Lord, into your likeness, that we will begin to think the way you think, that we will begin to understand the ways of God more and more clearly, even as the days go by, O Lord Jesus. But, Lord, I pray, Father, that everything that we do, O Lord, we will know, Father, when we think, when we act, Lord, we know that you are Lord, empowering us, you are leading us. To that end, I pray that, Lord, every ministry that we do from this pulpit in prayer and praise and worship and in word will be tuned towards that end, O Lord Jesus. And even now, even as we meditate upon your word, Father, speak to our hearts, speak to us, anoint us afresh, O Lord Jesus. Lead us to all truth, Father. And Lord, change our hearts, change our lives from the inside out, inside out transform our minds and enable us, Lord Father, to live lives, O Lord, that we will challenge this generation, O Lord Jesus. To that end, I pray that you would anoint, Lord, the speaking and the hearing of today's word. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we've been talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, if you look at the Great Commission, I mean, if uh, just only in the synoptic gospel, that is Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, and John, of course, was uh, was the later gospel, <coughs> uh, which kind of uh, is more uh, Christ-centric in that it introduces uh, the deity of Christ. But if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, you'll see something very interesting. You'll see how the Great Commission unfolds itself. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 and verse um, 18 onwards, you'll see something very interesting. Um, And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. So how do you make disciples? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the the, the, the great commission was to make disciples, loyal subjects, okay? Because they are going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Then if you look at gospel according to Mark, it adds another dimension to it. I mean, it's... It's uh, it's very interesting that certain dimensions are, certain aspects are amplified in each of these accounts. Mark's Gospel chapter 16, and let's read from verse 15 onwards. This is what it says. Um, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Of course, the gospel is the, go- the gospel of the kingdom. We understand that. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. And he adds this particular dimension. You see that dimension? In my name, they will cast out 
demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. As if to say, or rather to emphasize the point, that when they go and preach the gospel, there will be an opposition because the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom and there is going to be a confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There will be opposition. Therefore, you will have to cast out demons. You will take up serpents. Serpents means deceiving spirits. Okay. And they will try to kill you. And, and, And whatever they try to do to you, nothing will happen to you because I will be with you. So the immediately you will see in the gospel according to Mark, there is an, um, um, uh, a, a dimension which is, uh, which is, which is, which is emphasized, the dimensionality of the other realm, the realm of the powers of darkness, which are in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. And therefore, if you look at, so you look at the logical order. If we have to be a set of people who are sent by God under the authority of God and to be able to preach the gospel so that they will believe and be baptized and confront the powers of darkness, what do we need? The power. Exactly. And you see Luke's gospel, chapter 24, emphasizes this dimension now. Look at what it says in chapter 24 and verse 46 to 48. Hmm? 49 rather, 49, okay. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his uh, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So going to all the world, okay. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but what? Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Because I'm going to send you and there's going to be a direct opposition of the powers of darkness. And therefore, in order for you to be equipped thoroughly, in order to confront these powers of darkness, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is how the Great Commission is 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 elaborated. Okay, And therefore, if you turn to Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 to uh, four and five and verse eight. Four and five and verse eight. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, "You have heard from me." For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And verse eight will say, "But you shall receive power." Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. To me, uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the world. And the word for witness, and we know it very, very, very well, is to be martyrs for me. You will be a people who will be who will be ready to the, to die for the testimony of the gospel. And in order for to be this kind of a set of people, you should have a power which is from endure from on high. And we understood that a power which is from the third realm, which will overpower the second realm. We understood that in several studies that we've studied. So, understand this. We need to be aware of this. I mean, and the more I, I study the word of God, and the more I'm experiencing uh, through different, different experiences that are happening in these, in these days for me, one of the things I'm realizing, the reality of the second dimension. The reality of it. 
That we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. And that is something which we have to be aware. And what is happening in these days, in these last days, especially in these days and day and age, you will see there's a bunch of people who completely say this is not there. And there are a bunch of people who are completely into it. And there is no middle ground. There's no balance. There's no clear understanding as to what is what is going on simply because we are not good students of the word of God. And we are not prepared to encounter this dimension. What happens is that instead of confronting ideas and principalities and the ideas and the principalities behind those ideas, we begin to confront people rather than confronting ideas and ideologies and the powers which empower those ideologies. You understand these things? So we too, we have to we have to be very clear as to what this is. Okay. So expect this to happen. And therefore, when we are going to be a people who are equipped to preach the gospel of God, this is one dimension that we should never forget. If you turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter four and verses three and four, we're talking about preaching the gospel, right? You're talking about what? Preaching the gospel. Now, even if our gospel is what? Wailed, it is wailed to, to those who are perishing. And who are these people who are perishing? He defines the people who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. Who's, what, who's stopping it? It is a tremendous mind blinding spirit that is happening and you'll see the whole world. I mean, think about it. We, 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 I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's food for thought. Majority of the world are unbelievers. Majority of them. And then you have people from other faiths, especially the Islamic faith, which is so vehemently opposed to the gospel. Vehemently. The religious spirit is the worst. In these, in this, and of course, there's the other spirits which I don't want to talk about. It's vehemently opposed to the gospel, the religious spirit. So, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, you understand this. So, be prepared. Don't understand. That is the reason why I think I would recommend everybody to read that book by Derek Prince, Thou Shalt Expel Demons. Powerful book. It changed my mind. I, I read it on my way from um, from uh, Delhi to Hyderabad. I think it was AP Express. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I remember so vividly. And I found that book in a Baptist's house, where the mother, where the wife was a Pentecostal and the husband was a Baptist. He didn't believe in all this. And I was looking and I was browsing through all their uh, library, and I found two books. One was Watchman Nee's Normal Christian Life. And the other one was by Derek Prince, Thou Shall Expel Demons. And I said, oh, I, was, I was excited when I looked at the two books. The husband said, ah, I don't believe that. And immediately the wife said, Vijay, do you want to read them? Please take them. So I read Normal Christian Life the first time. And then I read uh, uh, the other book by Derek Prince, Thou Shall Expel Demons on my way back to Hyderabad. Changed the way I thought about the gospel. Okay. Understand this. <laughs> I mean, I understood it in theory. <laughs> now I can see it's unfolding, <laughs> actually, <laughs> before our very eyes. And therefore, my dear brothers, one of the things which is non-negotiable is, okay, I don't think I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baba, you are a sitting duck if you do not. If you cannot. In fact, you cannot even go into that. God will just not allow you to go and be as effective as you can be under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Understand this. Okay. Understand this truth. Okay. So, the God of this age has blinded. Another place. Look at how so many different adjectives are used to, used to describe the powers of darkness and especially the kingdom of the, kingdom of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 1 onwards. Hmm? You'll see that. 1, 2, 3. We know this very well. And you, he made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. That means you took a lot of courses in this world. That's the reason it's called a course. (laughs) Okay. Course of this world. Every semester you have the course. The course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Who was offering this course? Uh, The prince of the power of the air was offering this course. And who is he? He is the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. See, what are you up against? You are up against the course of this world. You are up against the one who is offering this course called the prince of the power of the air and he is a spirit. Understand that? Okay. Therefore, a spiritual man discerns all things but he himself is discerned by no man. But he is able to discern what is of the spirit, what is of the soul and what is of the flesh. He is able to discern. He's clearly able to make distinction. That is the reason why it says, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the art, and every thought is laid naked and bare before him, whom we, to whom we, have, we must give an account. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Or rather 12 or 13 rather, not 16. For 16 is of course, come boldly and confidently. 12 and 13, you see, you need to understand, this is something which is so important. That is the reason why we study the word of God. So that our minds and our spiritual senses are made even more sharper to understand the distinction between the spirit and the soul and the soul and the flesh. A carnal mind, you see, is an enmity against God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If you think about Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verse one and one and two. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one and two. I, I I find it very interesting over there. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the uh-uh, flesh and of the spirit. You see again distinction over there. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's enough. Okay. The filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of the spirit. Therefore, understand. Okay, let me show you another dimension. If you turn to Acts chapter 26, verse 17 to 18. This is the Great Commission according to the Apostle Paul. I mean, how, how he looks at it. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. What, to what, for, for, for what am I sending you? To open their eyes. Why? Because the God of his age has blinded them. In order for them to turn them from darkness to light. Why? Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. One second. second. 13. Sorry. 13. Not for 17. 13 was uh, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us put it uh, put it in uh, kjv ah exactly 
He who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That is the king. That is the reason why Ephesians says, you were sometimes, one at one time, what, what were you? Darkness. You were darkness. You are not walking in darkness. You were darkness. But you are now light in the Lord. So when you have been transported from the kingdom of darkness, you have been transported into the kingdom of his son. Now you are in Christ. Okay. Therefore, if any man has fellowship with him, okay, what will happen? He will continuously have the light, okay, and he will continuously keep confessing his sins, and the blood of Jesus will continuously cleanse him from all his sins. That's exactly what the next word will say in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Look at what it says. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, to open and from the power of sin, from in order to turn them from darkness. To light, okay. So, how do you know that you that you received light? You know, one of the things there is there will be a manifestation of that. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter six, it will talk about what happens when you actually receive light. Okay, certain things will happen. Now, I'm not talking about just um, uh, subjective experiences. Something, some things which Scripture itself mentions. So we don't want to ignore those things, right? Hebrews chapter six. Let me show you one verse. If you don't ignore. Then say, okay, okay, okay. This is not for me. Hmm? And verse um, four onwards. Four onwards. Okay. Look at it. Look at this. For it is impossible for those who are once ah they what did they receive ah they receive light. So once they receive light, certain things happen. They have tasted the heavenly gift. Okay. They will taste. That means they have a tangible experience. They were made partakers. Of the Holy Ghost. So once you receive light, you will taste the heavenly gift. What is the taste of the heavenly gift? The gift of salvation, literally. And the promise of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, of the remission of the sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have tasted the heavenly gift. You have tasted that the Lord is good. If you have indeed tasted the Lord is good, desire the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow in your salvation. So if you have been enlightened, you have tasted the heavenly gift, you have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Third, you have tasted the good word of God. Those days, word of God was boring. Now what has it become? It has just not become word of God. It has become... No, 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 no. No, no, no. The good word of God. It just didn't become the word of God. You've tasted the good word of God. You see? What happens when you are enlightened, you've tasted the gift of salvation. Now you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts trust in him. You see that? You become partakers of the Holy Spirit, meaning they've at least, you know, you, I, I believe that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you become um, um, empowered in some way. You become born again, okay? And then, of course, you've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. And one of the things is that you'll be speaking in heavenly language. So, but he says, for them, if they fall away, verse 6 is a warning, of course, if they fall away to renew them to repentance since they crucify again for themselves. Now, the thing is, what happens when you are enlightened? At least three things happen. You begin to taste the goodness of God. Second, you, 
you are you uh, become partakers of the holy spirit then you begin to taste the good word of god and then you begin to experience the powers of the age to come the powers of the age to come these are these are tangible experiences for a believer you can have these i mean i'm not talking about subjective experience i'm not making a doctrine out of this but this is what the word of god says you can have this that's what happens when you when you actually were given the gift of repentance what has what has happened to you you were enlightened you didn't know you were doing that's what he says paul says i did all these things ignorantly and in unbelief i did all that. i didn't know now do you begin to know and you begin to taste the gift of salvation you begin to see the goodness of god and you be, and you may made partakers of the holy spirit you tasted the good word of god and the powers of the age to come you see all these things happen It's a powerful experience. Let me tell you, salvation is a transformation. It's, I'm not talking about something which is external. Something which happens inside of you. It's a total transformation. It's a, something which begins to happen inside of you and continues to happen inside of you. Okay, what happens if you tasted the heavenly gift, you've tasted the good word of God? What happens? You see in First Peter chapter 2, it looks at some, something very interesting. First Peter chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, you lay aside all malice. You lay aside all hypocrisy. You lay aside envy and all evil speaking. And as newborn babes, you desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see, all these things happen. What are these? These are internal things. Something which has happened to your nature. One day you were an enemy of God. Now you have become a fr- you become to desire God. You say, Lord, I love you. You were a hater of God. Now you become a lover of God. You see. One of the verses that I believe I don't, I never used to like when I was growing up. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. I said, oh my goodness. When can I escape these eyes? So that I can do whatever I want to do. But now I'm so thankful that his eyes are upon me. You know, one, one child went and asked his grandfather, I told you this uh, sometime back. He asked his grandfather, he said, Grandpa, why can't Jesus just take his eyes off me at least for a few minutes? And you know what Grandpa said? Jesus loves you so much that he can never take his eyes off you. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3 actually, for you. 15.3. Today was, today was my children's devotion. It was, so I remember that very well. Hmm? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Now, telling this to children is very uncomfortable for them. Oh, God is the one who's constantly watching you. Your parents' eyes may not be upon you all the time. And you think people like this? Huh. Lord, just can you please leave me alone? We were enemies of God. So when you think it's comfortable having CCTV cameras all around and knowing that you're being watched, <laughs> you don't like that, right? Hey, I know I'm, I'm watching you, what you're doing. You don't like that. You want your, what we call as privacy. Please don't invade into my private space, God. Leave me alone. Huh. No, 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 no. 29.15, Isaiah. 
just I'll come back to that later on, maybe in the course of today's uh, study. Hmm? Twenty-nine fifty-nine. See, look at this. Very interesting. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us? Who knows us? <laughs> but God says, I know you. Ezekiel chapter, chapter 18, if I'm right, is one of the most, don't have to turn, 8, 8, no, don't have to turn there. It's one, it's called the place where the image of which causes jealousy is there. And God takes Ezekiel and he shows what those fellows are doing and he opens the hole and he says, this is what your priests are doing. Praying to Tammuz. Women weeping for Tammuz. Worshipping all kinds of creeping things. You think that I don't see, I see everything. That's what we were. We didn't want God in our lives. We were enemies of God. Now what we begin to do, now we, now since we have come to the light, it says everything that is made manifest is brought to the light, right? Everything that is made manifest is brought to the light. So, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 17, 18, 17, 18 and 19. Look at what it says. For God did not send his word, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. And verse, uh, verse 19, look at what it says. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, but men, what? Loved, the word is agapeo, huh? unconditionally loved darkness, then light, because their deeds were evil for everyone Practicing evil. Ah, they hate the light. Does not come to the light. Lest his deeds should be exposed. And verse 21 will say, But, but he who does the truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That happens only after you become a person who was in Christ. That is the reason why he has to translate you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So spiritual dimension which I believe you have to understand these things, my dear brothers. Let's go back again to Acts chapter 26. And verse 17 and 18, yeah. uh, 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 To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the Power of Satan to the to power of God. Yes, to God. Thank you very much. That that means to the power of God. There are only two sources. One is the power of witchcraft, and that is the other is the power of God, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is given to those who. Acts chapter five verse thirty-two. You should know these verses by now because we have been looking at. I hope I am right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we are his witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and only those people who obey God. But let me tell you something. All the blessings in the Bible are given to those who obey. All the curses in the Bible. Just obey. Simple. Let us not complicate things. It's a, it's a, it's a sad Sad and a happy truth at the same time. Depends on which side of the aisle you are standing on. Hmm? Do you understand that? So, um, that they may receive. Let's go back to Acts, Acts chapter 26 verse 18. Uh, it says that they may receive forgiveness to open their eyes 
from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. How did they, from the power of Satan to God, I like that. Turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter um, 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll tell you the exact verse for you. Verse 18. For Christ also suffered how many times? Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, or the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. You see that? That is the gospel. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. You see that? For Christ also suffered once and for the sins. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. So this is the gospel. From the power of Satan to God. To God. Once we have God, we have everything. He who has a son has life. And he who does not have a son does not have life. And the wrath of God abides in him. So when he comes to God, that he, he may receive what? Forgiveness of sins. If we confess our sins. He is with. When does confess happen? Confession happen when we are brought to the light. He who walks in the light, what happens? He keeps on confessing his sins and the blood of Jesus will continuously cleanse him from all unrighteousness. And when this happens, he will become, become, begin to become an heir of those who are being sanctified by faith in him. So Continuous separation. This is the gospel, my dear brothers. This is the gospel. Opening of eyes to turn from darkness to light. To receive the power of God. That we may receive the forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in him. This is the gospel. Okay, so what are we doing? We are confronting an opposing force. The powers of darkness and We'll try to understand certain truths about what that that is today. But before we go there, and one last verse to reiterate this point, it's in Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-five and twenty-six. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God might perhaps will, uh, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so when they grant the, when God grants them repentance, what happens? They will begin to know the truth that they may come to their senses, they will escape the traps of the devil. The biggest trap is pride. Biggest trap of the devil is pride. Self-righteousness. The trap of the devil. Vanity. (laughs) Having escaped the trap of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. This is is what the gospel has to do. Confront the power of the the devil inside of uh, over our lives. And and, and we have to be aware of that. And how does it happen? It doesn't happen blatantly. It happens very subtly. Sometimes we have these outward manifestations, but most of the times it's very subtle. Okay, in the church. That's the reason why Paul tells in Corinthians, he says, we should not be ignorant of his devices. We should be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The words, uh, the word for wile is schema, which means schemes. He's a very schemer. He's planning. He's plotting. He is a very wise to wisdom which has been perverted. You don't ever underestimate that that is Ahitophel. Okay. The p- perverted wisdom. 
It is not his own, given by God, which has been perverted. So don't ever underestimate. I'm not saying that we should exalt him above God or make him equal to God. God is, God says, you know, my full, the foolishness of God is wiser than, wiser than man's wisdom. So he says, we are not trying to equal, but we are saying that we should not be ignorant of his schemes. And they are very subtle. They not, may not be blatant all the time. They're very subtle. And we have to have discernment. Understand that, okay? Let's read. So therefore, in order to understand how this works, I want to show you a, 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 a in order to show us different dimensionalities of it, I want to show you a particular episode, which I shared yesterday, even in the Telugu service, in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, in, I believe, uh, his first missionary journey after being sent by the church. I mean, I think, I don't think this is first, it's Possibly the second. I'm not very clear here, but I don't want to go there, uh, whether the first or the second. That's not the point. But this is one of those missionary travels that he does after being sent by the church. And let's read from Acts chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 1 onwards. So it says... <clears throat> Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Who are there? Prophets are there. Teachers are there. Would to God we'll have a church like this. No? Full of prophets, full of teachers. Kya baat hai? That was a church in Antioch. And the Christians, the, and, the, and the people were called Christians first where? In Antioch. That is Acts chapter 11, last verse. Okay. Don't have to turn there. Barnabas and Simeon, who was also called Niger, was there. Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. If you read it in Telugu, your tongues will start twisting. Okay, I just gave up. <laughs> All these words in English itself is difficult. And so translated into uh, Telugu, it's even more difficult. Anyways, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Okay, they were ministering to the Lord and they're fasting. So something which is, we should never ignore. Fasting is mentioned. Oh, fasting is there, not there. Uh, don't become make a, such a strict rule of fasting, Baba, it is there. Just because you never fasted uh, and you fasted for all the wrong reasons, uh, don't say that fasting is not there, okay? And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. It's a spiritual exercise. Some things will not come out except through fasting and prayer. Understand that. There is some demonic strongholds. It is not because fasting will, in, in itself is, 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 uh, uh, is, is, is commendable. It says it's, it's because when we fast, we are essentially making our flesh go weak so that we can be spiritually more alert. That's the whole point of fasting. They are telling the, our flesh, you fellow, you better obey me. You are not the boss, I am. That means that fellow has a attitude. Who's got an attitude? The flesh. That's the reason why it's called a carnal mind. Okay. Be transformed in the spirit of your mind or in the attitude of your mind. That fellow has got a posture. He's got a point of view. Come on, Vijay. We'll talk about all those things later. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. They've been set apart. Then, having fasted and prayed, look at the look at the sequence. Okay, they were ministering to the Lord and fasted. Then the Holy Spirit said, "Separate." Then, having fasted and prayed, this was their life. <laughs> this was church at Antioch, my dear brothers. 
feasted and prayed. Ne? Fasted and prayed. And then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Who sent them? The church sent them. Now look, look at verse 4. So being sent out by the... What an awesome truth this is. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, meaning when the church sent, it was the Holy Spirit who sent. In other words, the Holy Spirit was, it was a Spirit-filled church. They were so in tune with the Spirit of God that literally, they became the hands and the feet of the Holy Spirit. Now when you read these things, you know what you should do? Lord, this should be the model. This is the norm. This is the norm. Like pastor said, this is the norm. Whatever is in the Bible is the norm. You don't need to be commended because you are following the norm. This is how, what you are supposed to do. We are unprofitable. We were doing what we were expected to do. Oh, you didn't steal today. Very good. What a nice man you are. Shabash. You know the joke, no? The guy brings back that money that the McDonald's uh, fan, I mean, that uh, counter girl gives him. He says, I'm sorry, I think you gave me more money. He brings the entire bag, uh, money back back to the counter girl. And the counter girl is like shocked. Oh my goodness. I never knew that such honest people existed on this world, in this world. Okay. And she says, let us call the television camera. And he says, don't, 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 don't. Please don't call the television camera. The girl with me was not my wife. You see, that is how it are. Our ethics are. Okay, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus and now something powerful happens. This is, and when they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. This is John Mark, okay, not the Apostle John. John Mark, the assistant, okay, the one who wrote, uh, to whom, whom uh, I think Peter dictated the gospel according to uh, Mark, okay. Actually, it's gospel according to Peter, written by Mark, I believe. I don't know. Anyways, let's not uh, uh, delve too much into that. And verse 6. And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, you'll see this confrontation now, they found a certain sorcerer. Okay. Now, the definition of the sorcerer is becoming even more clear. As sorcerer, a false prophet, the, the word in the Greek is pseudo-prophetess. Okay, pseudo means false okay. because that word is pseudo is so is so interesting for us because when we are, when we do algebra there's an inverse called pseudo inverse solution you know moose penrose pseudo inverse i don't know if you know pseudo inverse uh, pseudo inverse is very popular and you know pseudo is also used in computer science a lot pseudo false Okay, so a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a pseudo-prophet, a Jew, oh, whose name is Bariosus. Okay. I think he was from, I don't know, a Jew from Mexico maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Verse 7, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Now tell me, let me tell you something. The proconsul always had all these fellows around him. They were the thought, it's like Nebuchadnezzar surrounded by all these sorcerers, the magicians, the Chaldeans, the wise men, and all these people who can do nothing when it comes to the spiritual realm. They have power, not saying that they don't have power. They are like Jonas and Ambrus, Jambrus. Second Peter, Second Timothy chapter 3, right? Yeah. Uh, Jonas, what do they do? They resist 
That's exactly this Sergius Paulus does. This is there, my dear brothers. It is the spirit of sorcery in these last days. Now the point is, when you talk about spirit of sorcery, we think that he is going to do some mantra and some jadu. No, look at the subtlety of the devil over here. And that is what we need to overcome. Now the point is, this guy is an intelligent fellow. Let me, isn't, isn't it interesting that so many intelligent people still cannot understand the gospel, notwithstanding the fact that they are intelligent, they are reasonable people, they can be reasoned with. But they don't know the gospel, they don't, they are still, don't, they still haven't got the light. You wonder, this fellow is a smart guy. He knows empirical data that people are dying because of sin. He's a data scientist. He can write algorithms in uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. He is a smart fellow. He's a great programmer. Sorry to say that. That word has a lot of connotations these days. Great programmer. He's a fantastic coder, let's say. He's a great coder. Of course, we've got a better coder over here, okay? I mean, if this guy was in my lab, my goodness, I would have done so many <laughs> miracles. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Co- co- he's a great coder. He's an intelligent fellow, logical fellow. And the problem, why are these logical people not able to understand the gospel? Because there is a spirit of sorcery, the spirit of this age, which is blinding their intelligent mind, notwithstanding the fact that they're reasonable people. How come this one is so smart? But how come he's so dumb when it comes to the gospel? There's a spirit of sorcery. Don't understand. Don't underestimate that, my dear brothers. These fellows are what? Uh, uh, Mathematics Olympiad geniuses. Programming geniuses. Class toppers. But when when it comes to the gospel, dum-dums. Not because they are not reasonable people. They, are, they have been blinded by the spirit of sorcery of the guy called Bar Yasus. Jadugar. Nebuchadnezzar also was a... But I, I like Nebuchadnezzar, no? He was a very smart fellow. He said, you tell me the dream and the interpretation. Okay? Okay, you fellows, you took all my funding. Right? Let me tell you something. Who funded universities those days? The kings. Who were the patrons for arts? At least in, at least in, I know, the patron for the Telugu language was a great king called Krishna, Krishna Deva, Sri Krishna Devaraya from Karnataka. He was actually a Kanadiga. He was not even a Kulti fellow. He was the patron for Telugu and that is, that is how Telugu actually got revived as one of the national languages. They were all patrons. These are the people who funded universities. These are the people who funded science and technology those days. Now this fellow said, Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you know what, I you took all my funding. DARPA, National Science Fellowship, National Science Grant, all grants you took. Now tell me the dream. With all the money that you sucked, you know, I'll tell you something. IITs receive 250 crore rupees a year from the central government. 250 crore rupees a year. Every IIT. At least the top six IITs. 
They suck up the taxpayers' money. It, it, it's as if you have PA, P, P, uh, professors who have done their PhDs, and because they have done PhDs, we are paying them royalty. Or so, so many of them are such terrible teachers. Sorry to say that. You sit in their classes, you'll get bored. They're not even excited about their research. And, and Nebuchadnezzar is saying, huh, you took all my funding, you fellows. Now tell me, my dream. And tell me the inter- inter- its interpretation. And my professional development uh, program is very simple. If you tell me the dream and its interpretation, I will promote you. Otherwise, gone. If you're dead, basically, and your house is going to become a dunghill or whatever. No, he uses those terminologies over there. In other words, publish or perish. Literally, into to speak in research terms. And they're not able to say that. And telling you something, they have, been, you've been sur- there are certain things, uh, Isaiah chapter 19 verse 11. Hmm? Isaiah chapter 19 verse 11. If I'm right. Yeah. And you can, if you can put it in both, both the message also. First I'll let me write it, write it down, uh, let me speak that in, uh, uh read it out in, in the NKJV. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. Pharaoh's wise counselors give foolish counsel. Actually, NIV uses the word stupid counsel. How do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of the ancient kings? How can you say? Look at look at a message translation. The princes of Zoan are fools. The advisors of Pharaoh are stupid. How could any of you dare tell Pharaoh, trust me, I am wise. <laughs> I know what's going on. <laughs> really? Why? I'm descended from the old wisdom of Egypt. This is what my pedigree is, Baba. The wisdom. That's what Elimas means. Elima. Elima. You know what? That's what that's that's his other's name. Elima. It's an Aramaic term. Elima. Ma means wisdom. Eli. Elia. Yahweh is my God. Elima means ma means wisdom. What is my what is my God? Wisdom. Worldly wisdom is my God. Saraswati is my God, in other words. Elima. Elima, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated with, what did he do? He withstood him. He stopped him. This is the spirit of this age, my dear brothers. Don't ever underestimate this. It is like Janus and Jamres. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, if I am right. 8, 8, thank you. Chapter, uh, chapter 3 verse 8. Now, as Janus and Jamres resisted Moses, so de, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. And who are these? These are the instruments of the devil. These are the people who with their sorcery try to resist the power of God. And what are they blinding? They are blinding the mind of intelligent people. Understand that. This is spiritual. So when you preach the gospel, and I see my own family, okay. Some of my cousins are brilliant fellows. One fellow is a scientist from Israel. He left it and he, and he did his uh, uh, MBA from IIM Bangalore or Kol- Kol- Kolkata. And if I preach the gospel to him, he cannot even understand what I'm doing. 
totally a, his mind cannot even comprehend. It's a conundrum for him. Intelligent people. You know why? Blinded by the spirit. That, that's not their problem. They need to understand there is one dimensionality. They are blinded by the spirit of sorcery. They resist the truth. So when we are understanding, when we talk about the gospel, let us keep this dimensionality. We are not trying to overemphasize it. I am talking about speaking about it. You don't even speak about it in the church. And people who speak about it are called fools. And in fact, and the irony is, Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, from which I read, is not even available in many of the translations. It's deleted from many of the translations, in the modern translations. Who have become arbiters of truth? Men. Understand that. Oh, they think that they are holier than the old church fathers. Hmm? That is the reason why I love the KJV translation. I love it. I love it. I thank God when I was growing up as a believer, one of the translations which I devoured was KJV. And if I would have, read, if I would read any other translation, I would have read, I, I, I would feel as if I didn't even read the Bible for that day. Okay, so I would go to, let's say, NIV and read Psalm 1. Then I said, I didn't read it, okay. Let me go to KJV and I read it. I say, okay, now I read it. That's how I used to feel when I was growing up. Of course, now I now I become more mature. Now I become tolerant towards other translations, but I just only tolerate them. I don't rely upon them. Okay. Because one preacher, I think Chuck Missler, dead and gone, he said, "How many of you in my audience are NIV positive?" He said, and from that time onwards, I put the NIV bubble down. Finished. I don't want to be NIV positive. <laughs> Okay, I'm not condemning the NIV translation. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the kind of environment I grew up in. Okay, I can't help that, right? So, I'm not uh, looking down upon people. Some people from who read the NIV translation are much holier than me. I'm not discrediting that, but I'm I'm talking about sticking to the truth. And the NIV translation, the one translation which has removed Mark's Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15 onwards, it has removed it. A.W. Tozer made a very fantastic statement in one of his books called The Crucified Life. He said, we have easier translations in the modern days and a weaker church. With all the easy translations that are available to us, what has has happened to the church? Is it a strong church? No, it's a weak church. Because we are not being exhorted to think. (laughs) That's a problem. Do you understand that? Intelligent people. Why? They are blinded. They have been blinded by the spirit of sorcery and they are resisting the truth. 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse uh, 12 onwards if I am right. Yeah. Sorry. Just a minute please. Yeah, 15 onwards. Okay. 14, 14. 14. Yeah, we can read from 13 onwards. Okay. 14 onwards. But you must continue in these things which you have learned 
Okay, you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. From whom did you learn? From me. Okay, this Paul. And from childhood. No, this is four, 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 fourteen onwards. Okay, four. Second Timothy chapter four was fourteen onwards. Alexander the coppersmith. That is a legacy. This fellow Alexander the coppersmith. He will go down in history. Eternal history. Now I'm talking about eternal history, not no world history. As a guy who did much harm. Demas will go as a guy who forsook Paul. 410 actually. You can read 410. Now Demas has, let me, Demas, legacy, legacy of Demas, forsook Paul. Hermogenes and that fellow did me harm. Onesiphorus searched for me. Alexander Coppersmith, what did he do? Did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his work. And what was his problem? You also must be aware of him. That fellow still hasn't exited the church. In other words, that fellow is loitering around. What's his, what's his, what's his main purpose? For he has greatly resisted our words. The legacy of Alexander the coppersmith. They are blacksmiths. And they are coppersmiths. Blacksmiths are pastors. Coppersmiths are Alexanders. You must be aware, beware of him. For he has greatly resisted our words. That means he is contrary to sound teaching. Sound doctrine. They resist and they keep people in perpetual ignorance. They keep intelligent, reasonable people. Understand that. Intelligent, reasonable people in Perpetual wickedness and darkness. So, so first thing, let's go back now. Alimas, the coppersmith, was resisting the wisdom of God. What was he resisting? I believe he was resisting this. If you can read First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen onwards. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the, ah, from the power of Satan to the power of God. What is the power of God? The message of the cross. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The elements of this world were contrary to the message of the cross. We'll come to that. And bring to nothing the understanding of prudent. And verse 20 will say some of the interesting things. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? Why? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. My goodness. Can you imagine? In its wisdom, it did not know God. And that was the wisdom of God. Kya baat hai? You put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. Therefore, what happened? It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Stop there. Let us read it in, uh, yeah, Jews require a sign, Greeks use wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified for the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks are foolishness. Let's read from verse 18 in the NLT. Very interesting rendering. Okay, NLT translation renders it very interestingly. Look at what it says. Huh. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road of road to destruction. 
We are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. That is the reason why I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And it says verse 19. As the scripture says I will destroy human wisdom and discard the most brilliant ideas. You see that? Why it is important? Why the why people are brilliant in the brilliant ideas? They mesmerize people and put them in captivity. That is the elema of this world. Don't ever underestimate that, my dear brothers. And the next verse, verse 20 now. So where does this leave the philosophers? That is the PhDs. Because they are called them, they call themselves doctor of philosophy. Okay. Where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them all look foolish. And has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. That's precisely what it is. Useless nonsense. Debate, 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 debate. Nothing is achieved at the end of the day. Useless nonsense. Sorry to say that is exactly how we feel about the Democratic National Convention, right? All the DNC debates, useless nonsense. Verse 21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom. This was the <laughs> mystery. I mean, this was the intelligence of God. Through human wisdom, you cannot find me there. You do whatever you want. Through human wisdom, it is impossible for you to find me. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. That is the reason. What are you doing? Foolish preaching. What are you doing? Vijay, what are you doing? Vijay? My cousin was dropping me off to the airport after... A uh, guy from, I told you, know, from I am Bangalore. Huh? Bangalore or Calcutta. Hmm? So what do you do, Vijay? I said, yeah, I preach the word. So how does this work? <laughs> how does this work? It's foolish. To the carnal mind. That's what I'm saying, no? The spiritual mind, man understands all things, but he himself is not properly discerned by any man. Understand that, okay? And then he has used our foolish preaching to save those who are be- those who believe. And verse twenty-two: God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven. Or what do they need? Ha! Huh. Show us a sign. So show us. And he says, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. I will show you no more signs than the sign of Jonah. Finished. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And it is foolish to the Greeks. Because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. It does not agree with your wisdom. This is far above that. So when we preach Christ that was crucified, Jews get offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. You know why? Because they have been it is a sorcery which has happened to them. It's a spirit of Elima which is operating over them. It's sorcery. Do you see how subtle it is? We don't think of, when we say about occult, we think, just only think about um, doing mantra and all that. That's okay. That's there. I'm not saying we're not discrediting the dimension, but this is a more subtle dimension. It's ideas which are from the pit of hell. 
That is the reason why we demolish arguments and every pretense, every imagination and we bring every thought to the captivity of the obedience of, to the Christ and until all our obedience is fulfilled and accomplished and we are ready to punish every disobedience at the same time. Everything is happening at the same time. There's only one wisdom. Christ. That's wisdom. He became for us what? Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and whatever. The other one. And redemption. Thank you. Yeah. You see, this is the power of sorcery in these days, last days. And that is the reason the more you study, the greater danger for you. I'm not talking about, you should, I'm not discrediting the fact that you should study. <laughs> okay. But don't bring that wisdom. Understand that behind every ideology, there's a demonic agenda. You know, some of the in interviews that I, when I look at some brilliant fellows, what intelligence, their ideas seem so palpable. You want to f- kiss their feet, literally, for the kind of things that they come, that come out of their mouth. But that is absolutely the wisdom of the devil. It's a serpent wisdom, which is contrary to the wisdom of God. And that is how their intelligence is useless now. They are not able to see God. So what do they do? They resist the truth. So what do we need? The power of the Holy Spirit. What do we need? The power of the Holy Spirit like it says in Acts chapter 6 verse 10. Who's this guy? Anybody knows? Stephen, yeah. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit. Please note that, my dear brothers. Okay. There's a word and there's power. Both are needed. Okay. You do not, you err because you do not know the scriptures or the power. Power of God. Both are needed. Some people, only scripture, 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 sola scripture. I understand, Baba. I'm not against that. But you need the power of God too. Some people, only power, power. <laughs> but no scripture. But what do we need? We need the power of God and the scriptures. Both are needed. The spirit and the letter. Letter without the spirit kills. Spirit with the letter deceives. You go off into strange manifestations. In fact, spirit will not work in those areas actually. When there is no word. The spirit of the Lord is brooding. is hovering only. And when God spoke, both come together. The spirit and power. The wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Underline that in your Bibles. And say, Lord, don't just not grant me uh, the spirit. I also want wisdom. Just don't grant me wisdom. I need the spirit. I need wisdom and I need power. The power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what is going to happen in the last days. You will be brought before kings and counselors. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 15. You know, I, I like that proverb in, uh, I don't know which proverb it is. Do you see a man who is diligent in his duty? He will not stand before mere men. He will stand before kings. I used to always think that if you are diligent in your duty, you will be honored and you will be promoted. No, not in the last days. You are diligent in your work as a, as a, as a, as an evangelist, you will be arrested and you will be brought 
in chains like Paul. Are you ready for that? Okay, let me not go into those things because it'll, it is a little more controversial, but let's read this. 21.15, it says, For I will give you a mouth. When this, can we, Let's read 14 and 15, okay? 14 and 15 together. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand what you'll answer. Okay, there you'll be brought before councils. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. The word for contradicting the other translations, gainsay. I like that. <laughs> gainsay or resist. That is what we need in these last days. Daniel chapter 1 verse 20. Daniel chapter 1 verse 20. In all matters of wisdom, like that, okay, and understanding, about which the king of this world examined him, he found them ten times better than all the elimas, that's a word, and the astrologers who were in all his realm or dominion or kingdom. Hmm, that's the word actually, Basilia in the Greek. Basilia means what? Kingdom. Okay. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them how many times? times ten times better. You know why? Not, it was God who gave them. You can read the previous verse. If you turn to Daniel chapter 1, I think it's verse nine, 17 if I'm right. 17, if you read 17. Excuse me. Yeah. For, 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 as for these men, as these four men, God gave them. Please, understand that. God gave them. Doesn't mean they didn't study. Even as they studied, God gave. Even as, uh, what is his name, Eliezer, the son of Dodo, fought. Who got the victory? Lord bought the victory. Understand that. I like that word, no? Eliezer, the son of Dodo. The sword in his hand. When everybody was going back, he stood all by himself. And his hands were going weary. And he was striking this side and that side. And what did he do? He took a rope and he tied it to the hand. And it says, the Lord brought great victory. I like that those fellows. It's called the three. And it says, every other fellow was great. But it was not up to the mark of this three. Something which I get really excited about. That's the first guy. The second guy is Eliezer, the son of Dodo. And the third guy is, I think, I don't know, forget his name. He actually saved a, play, a field of lentils. A field of lentils. And then David said, oh, I wish I could drink. These three fellows went. The three. The three, the mighty man of David. I'll, maybe we'll do a study next time, later on, sometime. sometime. I get all, I, every time I want to preach from that, I said, God says, no, not now, not now. <laughs> okay. You have time. Later on, you can do it. Okay. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Why? Because, not because he was better than the others, because he took a stand when nobody else took a stand. All by himself. God gave. God gave. God gave. Understand that. So we need that in the last days. So that we can resist the truth, the spirit of sorcery in the last days. 
let's come to a more subtle subtle points um, connected to this. Uh, let's go back to Acts chapter 13 now. And was uh, right, yeah. Okay. But Elimas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood him. What's his what's his whole purpose? To turn the council away from the faith. That is the idea. You see, the world system is in opposition to the gospel. This is the first confrontation, okay, you'll see that. Then what happened? Then Saul, now the name change happens. Who was called? Paul. Why? Why does the name change happen? Here. Saul means exalted. Paul means little. Saul was initially Paul. That's all. He was what in his own eyes? Ah, little in his own eyes. That's a name change. You want to be a set of people who will be on fire for God? Become Saul's or become Paul's. Little. Men of flesh to the men of the spirit. Who are the men of the spirit? Humble people. Who come under the authority. Can you imagine? There are so many fellows in the church at Antioch. Uh, Holy Spirit says separate Paul and Barnabas and we think that Paul was a great man he, need, he didn't need anybody to you know lay hands on him it says they laid hands on him and they sent him this great intellectual Jewish intellectual had to come under the authority of the church to be sent by the church be clothed with humility otherwise you'll be you'll just you'll be just be went and never be Sent. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. This is what we call the spirit of discernment. And this is what he speaks out of his mouth comes some of the most powerful words. How he is confronting the spirit of sorcery. Look at this. He says, Oh, full of all deceit. Oh, full of all fraud. This is all brackets, okay? This is Greek. Hmm? Oh, you son of the devil. Oh, you enemy of all righteousness. Oh, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? He's calling out the spirit of sorcery of this age. What is it? First, oh, you full of all deceit. The word in in KJV is, oh, you full of all subtlety. Crafty, guile, hypocrisy. You know, I'll I'll come to the next part. First, first, let us deal with all deceit first. He deep down inside of our heart is there. This fellow called deceit. You want to know? Mark's Gospel, chapter seven, verse twenty onwards. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, 
wickedness, deceit, lividness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. These are 13 things. It's Terah. Okay. Abraham had to wait till Terah died. Okay. Ek, do, teen, bara, tera. Hmm, okay. <laughs> From teen to tera kaha se aagya arvai? I don't know that, 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 that counting in Hindi mujhe saunne nahi aata. Ek, do, teen, bara, tera. Ay, ye kaisa ho jata hai? <laughs> bara, tera kaisa ho jata <laughs> Okay. What a stupid song it is, no? <laughs> Tezab ne kha diya, beech mein, na? Tezab ka matab acid hai, na? Acid has eaten all the other numbers. Okay. For those who understand pun in Hindi, okay. <laughs> okay. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit. That is there. Where? Deep down inside of your heart. That is the reason why the element of sorcery is working. Because there is deception with it. Okay. Otherwise, the ruler of this world has come. But he has found no deception in me. That is the reason why he says in First Peter chapter 2 verse 22, he says, There was no deception on his lips. You can see that. First Peter chapter 2 verse 22. <coughs> this is talking about Jesus. For who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. No deceit. This is a man. But deep down inside of our heart, <laughs> is deceit. And what is a, the, this proconsul, uh, Paul is looking at intently at this fellow, this, the sorcerer. Who's, who's, who's full of all deceit. And what is the purpose of this deceit? Matthew chapter 26, verse 4. Actually, verse 3 onwards. 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Hmm? Then the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people. These are all the religious class, by the way. It's very interesting. You see, the religious people are the most deception, deceived people. And the deception is from them most of the time. Hmm? Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and they plotted to take Jesus by, the word for trickery again is deception or deceit and to, so what is the purpose of deceit? To kill? Who? Christ in you. That is what we call as the council of Ahithophel. What is the council of Ahithophel? 12,000 men, you give me. I will go this night and I will strike only the king. I will strike only the king. When he is weak. That is the reason why God hated Amalekites. You know why he hated the Amalekites? Because they pursued Israel when they were weak. It's a weakness. It's trickery. Deception. The purpose of this deception is to kill the life of Christ inside of us. It is a Christ in us who is the hope of glory. And ultimately what does what does the spirit of the sorcery want to do? It wants to kill the life of Christ through trickery, through uh, deception. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1-2. You know this very well, right? Hmm? Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you would do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a church, chaste virgin to Christ. But, but I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, crafty, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity and turn you to another gospel. 
Turn you to another gospel. What a statement pastor made yesterday, right? Most of the church is under a curse because they preach a different gospel. Because Paul himself said, if anyone preaches another gospel other than which we preached, let him be accursed, anathema. What a statement that was. My goodness, I was I was getting so scared after I heard, heard that statement. I said, Lord, whenever I come to the pulpit, Lord, let me be a person who will represent the gospel correctly. I do not want to be the cause of curse in my own life and in the life of my church. Get rid of deceit. Blessedness in a man. This is indeed a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel, put away all deceit. Hmm? So, you enemy, oh you, of, oh you full of subtlety or a man full of deceit. And then he says, oh you full of what? Fraud. Very interesting word. By the way, the word for fraud in the Greek is used only once in the entire Bible. And with the spirit of sorcery, by the way. What is this full for fraud? You know, when we were growing up in, uh, this was when I was doing my course, coursework in IIT, okay. There were courses called fraud courses. Okay. a course of fraud course. And what is the, what is the definition of a fraud course? You can do nothing and you'll get an A. Ah. That is fraud. So if, if I say, you know what, my GPA is uh, 10 this semester. Okay, let us say. Okay, 10 out of 10 I get. What are the courses you took, Ray? Uh, I took uh, neural networks, artificial neural networks. Ah, that's a fraud course. <laughs> I know how you got an A. It's a fraud course. You don't have to do anything to get an A in that course. Fraud. You know, that's exactly what the word for fraud is here in this case. The ideas got it very well, okay? You know what? An easy-going attitude. Oh, you full of all deceit. Oh, you full of all. And that means you lessen the intensity of sin in your life. Sin is what? Deceitful, right? What does it say? Sin is crouching at the door. And that's the, that's the nature of sin. What does it say? I'm not there. That's what it says. That's what crouching means, right? How does, how does a, how does a lion, uh, deceive its prey? By crouching. Come, come, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there. So that follow reckless. That's a, that's the other word. It means recklessness, carelessness. This is a spirit of this age, my dear brothers and sisters. It lessens the intensity of sin. I'm not there. Pounces on you, and before you know it, you are devoured by sin. Sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you, but you shall what? Master. Master it. It's an easy going attitude. Scoffers. Ah, it's okay. During the time of Ezekiel, there were some reckless fellows. You know what they said? Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 21 onwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Each one had four faces 
12, 12, 12, 12. Sorry. I'm reading off. Each one had four faces. Dr. Richard. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Hallelujah. To the Lamb of God. Okay. Hallelujah. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that you have about, uh, uh, that you have about the land of Israel which says, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. Ah, it's okay, it's okay. Relax, relax. Eat, drink and be merry. And at a time when your master of the house you think will not come, he will come. And he will find you. What are you doing? You are eating and drinking and beating your fellow servants. What are you doing? You are eating and drinking and fighting with other pastors. And what will he do? He will find you and he will cut you into how many? Exactly two. Okay. He'll use... Yesterday I was talking, I mean, I was, in our, in our devotion, we were, I was reading second, second Kings chapter three, and you know, when, uh, that girl comes, no, I mean, when, uh, the sword, Solomon asked to, uh, bring the sword, and he says, I'm gonna divide the girl into two, and give one to the other, and one to the other. You should see my daughter's hands, they were holding their hands like this, as to, uh, what is he gonna do, what is he gonna do, and you know, just in tension, they were like in tension when they, when they were reading that. It was very interesting. But what, what is God gonna do? He's gonna cut, why? They were relaxing. For reckless living. That's what, that's what it says. It's called prodigal living. Prodigal son. Reckless living. Lavish living. But they don't understand how God is also prodigal. You know what? He recklessly put everything into our lives. All eggs in our basket. In other words. The days are prolonged and every vision fails. And what does it say? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord, I will lay this proverb to rest. This is the spirit of sorcery, my dear brothers. And they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. I remember some years, some day, some years back when, uh, when, um, this debate in, uh, in Britain was happening between the Christianity and atheism. Atheism was in, was in fashion those days. Now, of course, it's Islam. In, in England. Okay. There is probably no God. So enjoy life. Forget about it. That's the spirit of sorcery. That's the reason that fool says in his heart, not there is no God. There is is in italics. Ah, let us say that again. Ah, a fool says no God. <laughs> he never factors God in. I will lay this proverb to rest and they shall no more use this as a proverb in Israel and, and say to them that days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. It's there right now. It's happening right in front of our eyes. For no more shall there be any false vision or flattering, you see, the divination within the house of Israel. This is the spirit of sorcery which causes fraud, which causes people to relax in as far as sin is concerned in their lives. Spirit of sorcery. Take it easy. Eat, drink and enjoy life. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 3.
knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days. Walking according to their own lusts. What will they do? Own lusts. And say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the father fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they, what? Willfully, they are ignorant willfully. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and that each standing out of the water and in water. What has happened? What has happened? It's a spirit of sorcery. You don't understand when you don't factor in eternity, you need to understand that you may be under a spirit of sorcery. When you are living life as if you don't have to give an account. That God is going to be easy on sin. It's a fraud. The standards of God are very, very high, my dear brothers and sisters. It's not like fraud courses in IITs. You can't get easy grades with God like that. Oh, you full of deceit. And oh, you full of all fraud. Deal with that easy going attitude. How do you deal with that? First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, 2 and 3. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has what? Seized from sin. He is not taking sin lightly anymore. That he no longer should live the rest of his life, uh, rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And verse 3 will say, for you have spent sufficient time in the past in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. What is this? Fraud life. Reckless living. Reckless living. There's no time for that. There's no time for that. Somebody just recently, young guy, lost his life in an accident. 19 years old guy. Yeah, life is so uncertain. How can we take things lightly? And you're not conscious. You know what? It may be that you are under the spirit of what? Sorcery. Fraud, recklessness. Let's go back to Acts chapter 13, verse 10. Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. <laughs> there is a son of the devil inside of all of us, right? Okay, I don't want to say that. What are these fellows? This fellow, let me show you. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. The old man. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Okay? Okay? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And then, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were. What does it mean? The best way, what does it mean? 
whenever you silence the voice of conviction. What is that? Whenever you silence the voice of conviction, how did what what did God do? He looked at Abel and his offering. Then he looked at Cain and his offering. And he accepted Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering he did not accept. How did it happen? Fire came down from heaven. And what happened? Cain was upset. Because because of whom did conviction come into his life? Abel. So what did he do? Silence the voice of conviction. Kill it off. That's the spirit of sorcery. Which silences the voice of conviction. The spirit of sorcery. I mean, it's like this now. I, I sh- there's a very interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. I want to show you something very interesting. Okay? Hmm. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say Cain's sacrifice was bad. It says, offered a more excellent. It's like, you know, Apollos. More accurate way. There's accurate way and the more accurate way. Often, in Christianity, we are satisfied with the accurate. But God is looking for more accurate. Understand that. Only when you have this kind of a standard, there will be conviction. Otherwise, there is (laughs) no any motivation to change. The norm, the stone, we have to either fall on the stone or we will be crushed by the stone. That's the standard. That's the standard of conviction. And what does the spirit of sorcery do? It what it, it 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 kills the voice of conviction, the son of the devil. John's Gospel, chapter eight, verses forty-two onwards. Look at this. This is like you know, the Jews. I'm sorry, the Pharisees and Jesus are having a boxing match only. Punches are being thrown. Now it's like. Gloves are off. Okay. Somebody came, I think. John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 42 onwards. It says, Jesus said to him, said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came forth from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why? Because you are not able to listen to my word. And then verse 44. You are (laughs) of the father, the devil. Why are you able to? You are silencing the voice of conviction. My word. You are of the father, the devil. And the desires of the father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe in it. You want to silence the voice of conviction. That is the reason why. Because they did not receive the love of truth. What God sent them? God sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they should be they should be washed, I mean, they should be swept away by the spirit of sorcery, the spirit of this age, which silences the voice of what? Conviction.
Acts chapter 9. That is how Paul comes to, uh, yeah, in the picture, right? No, verse 9, verse 1 onwards. Hmm? Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. What is he doing? This was after he, he murdered Stephen. Now there's a voice of conviction going on. What is he wanting to do? He wants to silence all the voices of conviction. He wants to finish up the church and ask letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone, any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed and he came to Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from the heaven and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it says, and he said, who are you Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. I'm goading you Saul, goading you. Don't try to stifle and kill the voice of conviction. It's a spirit of sorcery. So that is the reason why in many churches, the people are comfortable. There's no conviction. Happy. Because the standards of God are not exalted. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that does not mean that there's no conviction. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, or of judgment. That's happening. That will happen. There's no, there's definitely conviction. There's a pricking of the heart. You know what? Whenever you silence the voice of conviction, you are under the spirit of sorcery. Understand that. So many people like that are there. These are all subtle. That's what I'm saying. They are subtle. Let's go back to Acts chapter 13 now. And he said, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. What are you now? You're the enemy of all righteousness. Let, let me show you what that means. Matthew chapter 3 was 13 onwards. Matthew chapter 3 was 13 onwards. Okay. Then Jesus came to Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me, and Jesus said, answer to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is for is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Please underline that. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What are you? Elima, what is the spirit of sorcery? It is an enemy of all righteousness. That means, I'll tell you something. This is essentially... It is an enemy of the cross. Where in the cross you die to yourself. What does baptism mean? You are buried with him in baptism. And you shall not continue to sin. Why? Because you have died to sin. You have been buried with him in baptism. And now when you are raised... As Christ was raised from the dead, that you should also walk in the water of life, in the newness of life. You were buried with him in baptism. It means death to the old man and life to the new man. Death to the old self and life to the new self. 
Putting away the old flesh and putting on Christ. And what is the spirit of sorcery against? It is the enemy of all righteousness. It is the enemy of the cross. That is the reason why it says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 17. You know this very well, right? Hmm? Brother, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That is where the righteousness of God is revealed. They are the enemy of all righteousness. That is what they are enemies of the way of the cross. They are enemies of denying of the self. They are enemies of picking up the cross. It is, they are enemies of saying, you know what? Yes to the, yes, yes to your life now and happy now. Happy now. Holiness later. What does, that's what David Pawson's one statement I will never forget. Many people want happiness now and holiness later. But God says holiness now and happiness later. Holiness now and happiness later. If they are enemies of the cross of Christ. What are they? Next verse, verse 19. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. Whose glory is their shame. And who set their mind on earthly things. That is the reason why it says the carnal mind is enmity against God. It does not submit to the law of God and indeed it cannot and therefore those who live according to the flesh cannot please God. But you are not of the flesh. But if you are of the spirit, if the spirit of God or rather dwells in you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Ah, the sons of God. Who are these sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. These are the sons of God. That's the way of the cross. And what is the spirit of sorcery? It is the enemy of the cross. Do you see this? The spirit of sorcery? Enemy of all Righteousness. What do you do? Your ultimate aim is to pervert the way of Christ. That is what it is. Your aim is to pervert. Let's go back. Who, uh, Acts chapter 13. Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not Cease. In other words, he's, a, he's relentless. Do you know that? He's relentless. I'll show you one verse. Let's turn to Psalm 2. And let's read from verse 1 onwards. Look at the words. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? They're plotting. The kings of the earth set themselves. Okay. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. What do they say? Verse. Let us break their bonds in peace and cast their cords from us. They are relentless. Very, very, very t- what do you call they are together. They are very united. They are relentless. They are constantly attacking the right way. Constantly, constantly, constantly attacking the right way. They never cease to pervert the ways of God. Relentless. It's a relentless spirit of the devil. You know it's relentless. I'll show you. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5. Let's read from verse 6 onwards. 
actually yeah therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you but then be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion you know the word for walking about is to peruse perimeter peruse to keep on seeing where is the chink in this fellow's armor where is the chink in this fellow's armor keep on surrounding looking for opportunities relentless you can never be relaxed and one of the constant exhortations like pastor just keeps telling me vijay don't put your guard down keep praying all the time don't let your guard down any time don't relax it's a relentless you know what that's what i told you know, relax okay you fought so much relax you fought so much okay now it's a time for you to relax that's exactly what happened to david okay he relaxed in jerusalem finished over okay now let my people young people go and fight let me relax seeking to pervert the ways of god it's a spirit of sorcery never never ever underestimate resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers all around the world okay. never so lord when is no relaxing till that time it will continue it will get worse no time to relax let's take a break no it's not going to happen so let, let's let's go let's go there now what happens now this is remarkable interesting i love the way this entire episode ends now it's fascinating you see how the gospel and the powers of darkness are being confronted over here the spirit of sorcery and now indeed the hand of the lord is upon you and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time it's like you know darkness has been pro- pronounced on egypt thick darkness and immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand look at this then the proconsul who the intelligent man finally believed in the gospel because there was a demonstration of the spirit and of the power by confronting the spirit of sorcery what was happened when the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done being astonished not at paul at the teaching of the lord that's the reason why when jesus went and preached and all the demons were flying here and there they were astonished and said what kind of a teaching is this that even the demons tremble the spirit of sorcery then the proconsul believed when he saw the intelligent man there will be so many people are smart fellows they will begin to believe they don't understand it's what is the thing about a smart guy who is under the power of witchcraft it's that means whether is a smart fellow or a or or a barbarian that's the reason why he says i am i am a debtor both to the jews and to the barbarians to the wise and to the unwise because everybody is under the spirit of sorcery they are all blinded they are intelligent people but blinded and what it means is a way that we have to be equipped we need to understand and these are subtle subtle deceptions subtle frauds 
enemy of righteousness. And what do they seek? They seek to pervert the ways of God. Okay? And they want to silence the voice of conviction. They don't want people to get convicted of their sin. Because they know, once they are convicted, they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. They don't want, they want to forever hold them in bondage. That is the reason why intelligent people, they are dead people walking. They are dead intelligent people. They are dead Albert Einstein's essentially. Can you imagine? Pro-council believed. That is the reason why in Second Corinthians chapter, sorry, First Corinthians chapter two. Let's read from verses one onwards. First Corinthians chapter two, verses one onwards, and we will stop. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I love this, did not come with excellence of speech or a wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, in other words, he made a conceited, concerted effort not to sound smart. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him, what? Crucified. And the next verse, I was with you in weakness, in fearing, in, I'm sorry, in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and its power. Fall filled with the Holy Spirit and looks at this fellow, you full of deceit. Can you imagine? There's a debate which is go, ha- happening between David Wood and uh, Muhammad Ijab, let's say. And just imagine, no? Just imagine, I'm just imagining that day when uh, David would look, like, look at Muhammad Ijab and say, you full of deceit, you fraud, you enemy of all righteousness, you seek to power the way of God you will be blind and that fellow will start walking. You see, I'm telling you, there will be a day when that will happen and all debates will cease. I don't think the church is still ready for that because they still haven't become Paul's. They're still Saul's. Because God cannot fill them with the Holy Spirit. What was the difference? Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that demonstration? Everybody will fall flat on their faces and say, Allah is not God, Jesus is God. All debates will be over, finished. YouTube will go crazy. That's what I get upset when I look at all these debaters. No, not, I'm not upset with David. I love David. I'm looking at all these Mohammedi chaps and I look at them, those fraudsters they are. Religious minded fraudsters. You full of deceit. You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Can you imagine one debate that happens like that? From next time onwards they will say no more debates. Please. Over. A demonstration of the spirit of power will happen. I'm telling you, it is going to happen. In the last days, there will be a demonstration. But do we have a church which is full of Pauls? Uh, speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Yeah, I'm not saying, not against apologetics. Please don't misunderstand me. Please, please. It's good to debate. That is the excellent way. A more excellent way. 
What is that way? The demonstration of the spirit and the power. That's exactly what happened in one of Art Katz's debates. This guy, oh! He said something. Very, very nasty. And he looked at him. He was another Paul of our day. He looked at him and he said, you, how dare, what gives you the gumption to confront the spirit of God right in front of his face? You know what happened? That fellow fell flat on his face like a, like a flattered balloon. A demonstration of the spirit of power. No wonder he was persecuted. Remember? Need that demonstration of the spirit of the power. But you know what God is looking for? He is looking for Pauls and not Saul's. And then what happens? Verse 5. Demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in Paul. The pro-council believed having been astonished at the doctrine of the Lord and not at Paul. Paul was dis- Paul disappeared by the way. Paul didn't even exist there. But your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. There's a confrontation between the spirit of sorcery and the power of God. And there's no match, my dear brothers. But God is looking for people who will ex- expose this. I believe this will happen. This will happen in the last days. I believe. I will. I believe with all my heart. Otherwise, why should we have the book of Acts? Ah, the spirit. You know, we have this romantic notion, oh, we should go back to the church of the earlier days. Hello, sir. <laughs> you are not even ready for that. <laughs> you should, you should, I was thinking about this in the morning. I was saying, you know what? My life should not be dear to me anymore if this has to happen in my life. <laughs> my my children, my wife, my family, my education, my, my, my bank balance. Forget it. The powers of darkness will have a field day. You think this is going to be easy? To turn the world upside down? Rather the right side up. They are upside down by the way. They say they have turned the world upside down. But they have actually turned the world right side up. You know why? There was a church which was filled with the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are able to look at this fellow and he says, You full of all deceit and fraud. You enemy of all righteousness. You son of the devil, will you never cease to pervert the ways of God? And he pronounces. Amen. Let's ask God for this, no? Let us prepare. And it's actually, when you ask God, God for this, you should be scared. Okay? We should ask with, with, with fear and say, Lord, Prepare me, Lord. Prepare me that when this comes, I will be a Paul and not a Saul. I will be a Paul and not a Saul. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this day, Lord. We see the norm of what a church should be like in the last days. Pray, Lord, that you will touch your people. You will touch your people and create in them a longing 
Lord, I can't live this life except you fill me, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And there will be a desperate cry in your people. A longing in their hearts. When they will be longing for your Holy Spirit. And we ask you Lord to forgive us those days and those times when we have insulted. When we have grieved your Spirit. When we have shortened your hand in our lives because of our unbelief and our compromise. But I pray, Lord, in these last days, Lord, you will stir up young men, old women, young people, old people, all kinds of people, children. You said, for in the last days, you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And your young men and your old men and your, and your daughters will prophesy, see dreams and visions. That there will be a demonstration of wisdom and of the power of the Holy Spirit. The wisdom which the world will not be able to gainsay, which is blinded by the spirit of sorcery. Stir us up, O Lord. And make us into a people who will long for this at least. And who will not satisfy, be satisfied with their status quo. Who will not be content. But they will contend like Jacob. And say, Lord, unless you bless me, I will not depart from you. May you find a church like that. Even in our place, in our GDC. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the preaching and hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.